Welcome to the Egg Makers Podcast, where I ask how do makers relate to the tools and materials they use, and how does it shape their process. I'm your host, Michael James, and this podcast is part of my thesis research through Royal Roads University. For more information, visit www.theyegmakers.com. In this episode, I swung by the garage shop of Trevor Thistle, where he makes incredible pipes that he sells all over the world. The precision and artistry he brings into this industry is incredible. We truly have a secret treasure in Edmonton. To see images of the pipe and Trevor's process, please visit his page on theyegmakers.com or follow the project on social media at the egg makers. Um, I always had kind of uh, uh, a nostalgia for pipes, I guess. And okay. I, uh, you know, I never met my great grandfather, but everybody always talked about him and his pipe. You could uh-huh. always smell his pipe before he came. Right, and uh, about 11 years ago, my wife bought me a pipe mm-hmm. for Christmas, and I looked at it and kind of like, well, "What'd you pay for that?" Well, eighty dollars. Shit, I could do that. Yeah, you know, really uh, oversimplifying the process, of course, and the materials which you do originally when you start. Yeah, and and the craftsmen that do it. Yep. Um, so I started uh, tinkering. Yeah, I started tinkering with some uh, woods that we have around here. Okay. Some, you know, because I'm an urban forester, I have a lot of arborist friends. I can get my hands on whatever variety of wood I can find native to yep. here. And through that, I learned uh, why these woods are not the woods to use. Why would you have use a specific wood? Well, uh, the, the density of the wood. Okay. Um, the grain structure. Mm-hmm. You don't really want a wood that's open-grained okay. uh, with like, like oak. Um, especially uh, red oaks because they can actually the resin pores are really big you can actually pass fluid through oak okay right which is why they don't use red oak in wine barrels use white oak yeah right Um, with the exception of morta so that black pipe over on the table yeah is 6,000 year old bog oak okay right so it's it's they dug it out of a bog in Siberia okay and all those resin canals are blocked uh, now, right? The minerals in the in the mortar help make it a little more fire resistant. Okay. Um, the other, the other two woods, well, yeah. the, is olive. Oh. Is olive wood. Yeah. Right. Really beautiful grain. What it what is, makes it? It's density. Oh, okay. It's very dense wood, very closed grain. A lot of the woods that uh, make good pipe wood are are woods from areas of the world closer to the equator, kind of between the tropics. Uh, that have a have a year-long growing season, right? Okay. So you'll find a lot of the woods with pronounced growth rings. Yeah. Really pronounced growth rings don't make such it's good. Wide. Yeah, yeah. And this is the king. So this what do you is, have there? This is briar. Briar. Where's that from? This is from around the Mediterranean. Uh, this piece was shipped to me from Algeria. Well, these. I got 20 blocks from Algeria last week. Oh, okay. Um, and I got a really good supplier who lets me pay him as I make money. Oh, okay. Yeah. So this is a burl. Yeah. It's a root burl. Okay. So. So I mean. So it's uh, kind of like a, a, um, a 
uncontrolled growth. So sometimes you'll see them on the sides of trees, big lumps on the sides of trees. Um, there's a couple, uh, a couple ideas of how it comes about. Uh, an irritation in the tissue causing uh, really rapid and rapid growth with not a whole lot of rhyme or reason to it. <laughs> That's why you get all this interlocking grain. And you can see the, the grain in, in, in uh, Briar is pretty, pretty impressive. Oh, I'll definitely look at the grain too, the grain pattern. Okay. Because um, it, it gives me, if I can get the grain, because these are the rays. If you're familiar with wood structure at all, mm -hmm. these are the, the rays, yeah. these, these lines. And your growth rings will be uh, perpendicular to the rays, right? So if I'm going to make a pipe, I want to try to get these rays vertical up and down the bowl. Okay. And as straight as possible down the shank. Oh, okay. Right? Interesting. So, so you, you study the grain. Um, sometimes you can tell how much bird's eye there's going to be in there. Yeah. So sometimes it can be difficult. Yeah. So at the end of the rays, you'll find the, bird, the bird's eye. Um, so I'm just trying to pick a block here now for... The pipe so I've yeah, what, what, are we, what are we going to do next? What are we going to do first? Okay, um, I've had this pipe in mind for a while that we're mm. going to start on here today. Um, I and I think this might be the best piece. Actually, that's pretty nice too. How does, how does, the, how does your work as an arborist kind of inform what you do? I have a, well, I have a degree in forestry. Okay. Right, and uh, I, part of that was wood technology, so I know the structure of wood. Right. Right. So like the scientific, the, yeah. the whole, all the, how wood grows, all that yep. kind of stuff. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, somebody maybe 70, 80 years ago knew that too. Mm -hmm. So they developed a, a finish called well, sandblasting okay. on pipes. Because you know how wood grows, early wood, late wood, early mm -hmm. wood, late wood. Okay. The early wood is, is uh, a less dense wood than the late wood, right? So if you sandblast it, you, you cut down the early wood and you raise the late wood so you get ridges in the wood. So when I talked about trying to get the rays vertical mm -hmm. and try to, try to find that ring grain uh, is because I, I love the sandblast finish and if I can find the perfect grain to do it with. How many pipes have you done? Uh, 125. Okay, so you've obviously kept track. Yeah, and I all and my pipes are numbered. Oh, okay. They go out numbered. And do you sell everything? Obviously, you've got a lot of pipes around here. You don't sell every one of them, but no. do you try? Yeah, I try. Everything I make is for sale, with the exception of, like, that one's for sale. Mm -hmm. uh, except for the ones that have major flaws. Right. Then I won't, I won't put my name on it. Because the... Pipe collector's world, it can be very snobby. Oh. Very pretentious. In what way? Um, they want perfection, especially collectors, right? And they, they really do love the art. Oh, okay. And uh, so they can be a little thing, as everybody has their own definition of perfection, which makes achieving it difficult. So I mean, I machine my own brass too. Oh, very cool. On so the, obviously yeah. yeah, most pipe makers, they buy their bands, they buy their stuff. I'm like, no. So everything you, everything in that pipe is made by you. Yes. 
So wh why, why? Why wouldn't you just buy? Um, you don't call yourself an artisan if you're buying pieces and assembling. You're assembling a pipe. Okay. You're not making a pipe. Okay. Right. <laughs> so in, in your head, you it, everything needs to be. Everything's from my hands. Even the pipe, the bags, the leather bags that, that I sell them in, yeah. my wife makes. Oh, okay. Right? Very cool. So yeah, it's everything is, everything thistle pipe is from thistle's hands. So so what made what made you take that philosophy? Where did that philosophy come from? Because there's, I mean, myself, I'm a pen maker. Yep. I don't make the metal parts of my pen. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. It's just. I know I know a pipe maker, this guy, Hector yeah. Weeb, who um, I guess he got so successful he had to outsource his stuff. Oh, okay. Right? And I have one of his pipes from when he when he was doing it all himself. And there's I don't want to lose that. He talks about he lost something when he had to uh, when he had to outsource some okay. of the manufacturing. And I just I don't want to do that. And if that means I have to limit my production in order to keep up with demand, which isn't a problem right now, <laughs> yeah, 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 fair enough. Uh, that's what I'll do. I'll I just, it's so, a pride thing for me. All it is, it's just silly pride. That's all it is. No, no, no. I, I totally get what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, so can you, and you do, and maybe you can't answer this question, but you, you made the comment of you lose something. Do you yeah. know what that something is? There's a pride. There's just uh, a pride of knowing that that every part on that that someone's enjoying, mm -hmm. that may be an heirloom, mm -hmm. right? Maybe their grandkid is going to be smoking that pipe, mm -hmm. you know, 60, 70, 80 years from now, uh, that it came from my hands. Oh, that's cool. And if I if I had the opportunity to cast my own my own resin, I'd do that too. Oh. <laughs> okay. How many years? uh five now yeah yeah so i am still wet behind the ears man oh really oh yeah there are pipe makers out there have been going 50 years really and their stuff goes for a lot of money how much do you sell a pipe for like your um, one that you're super proud of 450 okay um that's about as high as i've sold a pipe for but there are pipe makers out there that sell their stuff for tens of thousands of dollars really yeah there's some pipe makers out there that make really dainty pipes, really fragile yeah. things. I make manly pipes. Okay. Right? Yeah. Something you can stick in your pocket and but go that, fishing with. That's, it, that just, does that change the function of anything? Nope. Or that's just the, just a preference? Just thing? a style. Some people like Jeeps. Some people like Porsches. Some people look at their tools as well as extensions of them. Mm -hmm. You know, and there's a lot more... Uh, like for example, I, I you know I talked to a glass blower was one of the guys I that's cool. did, and you know the tools that he used are based on ancient yeah, tools yeah. of glass blowers, whereas you're using a machinist lathes. Yeah. So you're applying modern tools yep. to what you're doing, which is a and you said you're it's a like a, a traditional. The reason you love it is because of the tradition. Yeah. So how does that how does it work in your head? Like, would you rather use an older tool would you rather carve it or um you know what it this i do hand i do freehand pipes too like that pickaxe over there yeah right, i can't do that on a lathe right no. um to me it's it's the speed uh, okay. the precision um when i want to when i want to create a true piece of art i do freehand okay. right 
Um, but if if the design I have in mind is very cylindrical, the lathe is perfect, right? Right. And I, you know, flex my artistic muscle in the finish. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Well, and I mean, one of the things you said earlier was pipe folk, mm -hmm. <laughs> people who, who yep. use a pipe, demand precision. So I'm assuming yep. that has a lot to do with it as well. Yep. What do you love about this process? Uh, the flow. Okay. You ever heard people talk about oh, flow? Absolutely. It's actually a scientific thing. Yeah. There's actually just, a lot of research about flow. Yeah. That's when people are happy, man. Yeah. When they're in a flow, they're not even thinking. It's... Uh, when do you get there? Usually, mostly in the finishing. Oh, okay. It's... Um, this part can, is a little, can get a little tedious. Turning is fine. But resetting when you when you do the flip, so that's what I'm going to do here. When I do the chamber, I'm just going to loosen the jaws and flip it 90 degrees. Okay. Right, and making sure everything lines up. It can get a little, a little tedious, but it's good. It's the finish though that really gets you the sanding and the staining. But what's really heartbreaking about pipe making, I got to mention this, is sand pits. It's What's a sand pit? Because this is a burrow that's growing in the ground. Mm -hmm. It likes uh -huh. to include sand sometimes and little pebbles and things. So you could have this beautiful pipe and you're sanding away in a, and a, a void. Yeah. You sand into a void. It's garbage. Really? Yeah. And you put four or five hours into it, start over. So as you're doing this, like, and this sounds a bit like heady and mm -hmm. a little bit weird, but is there anything that you're responding to the way, like you, you looked at the wood, you've kind of given it its, okay, I think this is gonna look good. I like the way the grain's going in this. Mm -hmm. But as you're turning this, does it change? Do you, do you res need to respond to anything in the wood? Um, there sometimes there are sounds. Yeah. Like if I'm getting to an, a, a defect in the wood, I hear uh, okay. Right? And it, it'll t it'll make me stop and look. Yeah. Because what I don't want is a piece of this flying apart. And totally. Hurting me. Yeah. And I don't wear a face shield because. Yeah. It's in I'm, the way. I'm a little terrified. Oh yeah. <laughs> I've, I've been I've I've turned so many things and I've had so many things fly off the yeah. lathe. <laughs> you well, locked it down, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's also why I, I I do take small cuts yes, too, right? Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> Where do your ideas come from? Like you said to me at the beginning when we started this, you're like, I've got, had this idea for a pipe for a while. Um, sometimes it's nature. Okay. Sometimes it'll be a leaf. And so I've done I've done pipes carved with leaves and stuff. Okay. Um, or the swoop of a leaf. I'm like, oh, that'd be a nice, make a flat pipe with an upturn. Yeah. There's a, there's a, there's a type of uh, style of pipe called a horn. Mm -hmm. But if I can make a horn that's flattened, yeah, like a leaf. Yeah. You know, I don't know. It's just so. Uh, where did that? Where? What are you? Where are you going for here? Like, what is? Uh, this is just an idea I had for um, something like a billiard, which is similar to that pipe I showed you, right? This one. Yeah, that's it's a billiard, but it's a subtype called a lavat. So anything with a with a saddled bit, mm -hmm. right? A saddled stem, on a simple straight cylindrical pipe uh, is, is called a lavat 
if it was um, if the if the stem was half the the length of the pipe and a little skinnier, it'd be called a pencil shank. Oh, there's okay. a whole bunch. Just a whole bunch. So of it's just like a like it sounds like there's just like a rabbit hole of different pipes. Yeah. and there's and probably a couple hundred different styles. Right. So where what and I mean probably That'd be called a freehand. Oh wow. Okay. Right. That's super thick. Yeah, it's a big one. I've done um, a few like that. We just spent, and I mean, mind you, we were talking through the time and you weren't focused making, but we spent about an hour and a half and it, you got to a certain point and the precision that you were putting into that was um, from for, for wood is challenging mm -hmm. because wood is not a precision medium. It's mm -hmm. not a precision material. And then to tell me how, like, you've got to, now you've got to go to the bandsaw, then you got to go to your shaping station, then you got to do this, then you got to do that. That, to me, like, there's getting interest in something from your great-grandfather, but there's, what is it that's keeping you on that whole process of precision and every step to get such a small item? What's keeping you doing it? Um holding it in my hand at the end and going yeah okay right and when i do it's worth it oh yeah when i when i do get the opportunity to hand a pipe over mm -hmm. most of the pipes i make they go they put them in the mail and they go two thousand kilometers away sure or whatever but when i do get to get a chance to put one in someone's hand and they're like wow right that to me is amazing or when i when a guy, when a friend on Facebook down in Texas receives a pipe and says, hey, everybody, look at this pipe. Holy crap, buy a, try, buy a thistle pipe, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And like d doing woodwork and stuff like doing like furniture, like I dabbled in live edge furniture too. Like sure. I, you know, I made my coffee, my dining room table and the yeah. coffee table and stuff. Um, nobody sees it. Nobody really, like people, Michelangelo didn't paint a painting and he painted in public areas, 100%. right? No, 100%. <laughs> No, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, sure. he didn't hang it up in his house and go, yeah, it's nice. Yeah. Right? He wanted to get it out there and have people talking about it and, and uh, people enjoying the art form. Uh, so there's pride. Of course, yeah. Not, not, and I'm not saying that in a negative no, way. No, no. No, yeah, there's a whole lot of pride. Um, especially knowing, too, that that, that pipe uh, is going to create memories for that guy's kids, mm -hmm. for his grandkids. Uh, maybe one day one of them will be smoking that pipe, you know, if the government doesn't completely destroy our ability to. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. The, the nanny state overreach government. <laughs> um, and, you know, I have a pipe in my cabinet that's 116 years old, right? And when I hold that pipe, I think about what the shop looked like when that guy made that pipe. Like, what were his tools, mm -hmm. you know? I I think about, like, no, there's silver on it. Did he, and he chased that silver too, probably mm -hmm. himself, right? Um, what did the store look like that it was sold in? When the Titanic went down, somebody was probably had that in his teeth, talking to his friends about, "Did you hear the Titanic went down?" By Jove! Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Have you ever wanted to make a pipe like that, like using the old process? Uh, I kind of think I, I did that when I started. Oh, okay. Right? Because when I really started, I was started on a, on a drill press, right? With nothing, no, no, you know, fixed axle tools, mm -hmm. right? 
And yeah, the first pipe I made was on a drill press, and it was, I thought it was the cat's ass, and it was an abomination. Yeah. Looking, <laughs> looking yeah, back For where on you're it. at now. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, I, I do, I, uh, I, I do, I kind of, I've kind of done that, but not a lot of it. I never perfected, you know, making a pipe that way. And I probably wouldn't be too interested in doing it just because of the time it takes. Yeah. As much as I love making pipes, um, they've, they've got to pay for themselves. You know, or I'm going to be on to something else. Right. I, yeah, you don't, you don't make, you don't make, uh, you know, 40 pipes a year for yourself. <laughs> no, that's very true. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for listening to the Yegmakers podcast. If you'd like to know more about Trevor, his work, or this project, please visit theyegmakers.com or follow me on social media at the Yegmakers. Tune in next time when I chat with Carrie from Two Carat Studio. She's one of the most incredible jewelers and silversmiths in the city. She takes us through a process of making an amazing ring. Make sure you have a listen.